0: welcome to for the love of dharma i'm so happy you're here my name is heather love and i'm one of the first certified dharma coaches in the world this podcast will help you be more joyful remember your purpose and live life on your terms get ready to get inspired here we go hi friends i hope your february is off to a great start and i hope you loved the january series on money and success if you haven't had a chance to listen to it yet those episodes are waiting for you whenever you're ready now we're back to conversations that i've had with some other amazing people with topics that i hope will inspire you first up is premajoy she is a journey practitioner and results coach who survived a domestic violence marriage from ages 16 to 31. she now helps others through their own emotional healing journeys with programs she hosts throughout the year as well as with her two books In this episode, we talk about how your experiences take hold in your cells. Prema says that through the journey method, that you can actually learn to change your cellular memory so that you can begin the healing process. By changing your neural pathways, you can look at beliefs and trauma and clear them through changing the brain. You can then move forward differently than you have in the past. Through conditioning, we have actually been taught to not feel our feelings. We unconsciously distract ourselves in an effort to not feel things. With journey work, you will actually allow yourself to feel the emotions of your past and drop through them to come to a place of expansiveness. Your emotions will no longer control you. You will now be in control of how you respond. It's a really interesting conversation. So without further ado, let's welcome Prema to the show. Hi, Prama. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for having me, Heather. I'm really thrilled to be here. I'm so excited you're here. And I just love your accent. I could listen to you talk forever. And the way I like to start my guest episodes is by having you choose either blue or red. I have a blue book and a red book, and I will pick a question from whichever book you choose.
1: What do I feel like today? Blue or red? All right, let's go red. All right, let's go red. (laughs) See what says.
0: Do you think there will ever be a cure for cancer? Oh, interesting question.
1: I do think that there is a cure for cancer. In fact, my work with my work, I've lots of people who actually do cure their cancer. I think, from my perspective, I think we have to get to the root cause of cancer. And really get people to understand that cancer shows up in the body after a, a while of things being stressed or uh, the body and the mind is not in cohesiveness. And so cancer shows up that way. And within the work that I do as a journey practitioner, it works on the precipice that the emotional body, whenever when we're children, we can have things happen to us which uh, could be cause trauma, but it can be a thing that happens over and over again. And because we haven't been taught to really feel our feelings, we shut down the emotion in the body. And when we shut down the emotion in the body, those cells can get shut down and blocked off. And then what happens is years later, they become susceptible to things like cancer or illnesses or things like that that gets into the body. And that can be caused by um, having had a trauma or something happened in your childhood where you weren't able to fully express and feel it at the time.
0: That is an amazing answer to that question. Yeah, I think we forget that there's a root cause to cancer that we need to get to so that we can fix it. Would you tell my listeners what was Prema like as a child? What was your personality like? What did you like to do for fun?
1: Oh, what was Prema like as a child? Interesting question. I was quite dramatic. I liked to put on shows and sing, and I was quite bossy. I was always, I also had wanted to be in charge of the game. And I liked to be at the front, and I liked to be the head. And if I wasn't in charge, or I got the shits. So <laughs> the shits in Australia is I got the. Uh, what do you get? You know, you get. I got angry. I got. I'd get pissed off. And if I wasn't in charge,
0: the shits means something else in America.
1: <laughs> uh, okay, I, I had a feeling by the look of <laughs> your face, but <laughs> in Australia it means where you're pissed off. But uh, so I, you know, I and but I really did love acting and shows and putting uh, you know that sort of stuff and and i i i really love swimming i spent a lot of my childhood in singapore because my father was in the navy so i was really lucky in that way i got to spend a lot of the time in the swimming pool and i love swimming i liked writing as well that was one thing that i loved i loved english at school i didn't really like maths or anything else but i loved english i loved creative stuff do you remember what you wanted to be when you grew up? I wanted to be a journalist from a fairly early age. For me, my when my father died at twelve, that really just sent me off on a completely different path, and I never stepped into being a journalist or stepped into that. Like I, I never even really finished school. I went to I finished school at fifteen. I went to business college, and then at sixteen, I ran away from home and got into a domestic violence marriage. So all of these things stopped me from doing what I wanted, which was I wanted to be a journalist, but I never ever got there. So I've never been a journalist, but I figure who I am is great now.
0: Well, and you've authored a couple books, so that's close to journalism. (laughs) I would say that that fits into that category. So you are a very vivacious and bubbly person. So I am assuming you are no longer in a domestic violence situation. No,
1: I haven't been in domestic violence for since I was, well, I'm 60 now. So it's been about 28 years. Okay, good. You know, I went from being a child pretty much from being a child into that domestic relationship because I was actually 14 when I met my husband. It wasn't until I, you know, had the courage to leave him that I started to go on a journey of myself. I hadn't grown up in the usual circumstances of, you know, going to high school and high school graduation and going to college and I didn't do any of those things. At 16, I was already living an adult life, so to speak. And so, but a codependent relationship, you know. So when I finally left my husband, even though I had two children, that became a time of fully starting to explore myself. What am I here for? My self-esteem, my self-worth, starting to go on that path of loving myself, what's here what what am I here for and that was so I went on what people loosely term as a spiritual journey but I don't like that myself because I think we're all spiritual and we're all just doing the best we can I sort of so I really love it more that I went on a, a self-exploring journey a, a, an exploration of me
0: hmm I love that. And, you know, we kind of breeze over it. Like it's this, this journey, you know, and no big deal, but there's so much meat packed into that. I mean, there's so much that has to happen to learn all of the things about not only who you are, but also why you're that way. And then who do you want to be? You know, so there's just, we breeze over it. Like it's this simple thing, but there's a lot to yeah. it.
1: And there was, and as you say, there's quite a lot of meat. There was a you know, a long period of time of I think of it in this way. When I was in domestic violence, I was in denial. So I was just, you know, wanting to be loved and I was in denial of what the relationship actually was. When I actually left and got the courage to leave, then I had confronted it and became a victim. So I had to do that. I had to become the victim. I had to own that because I was a victim of domestic violence. But when I started to do the healing and the inner work and really start to explore who I was and who I am, then I stepped over that and started to say, okay, so how do I take responsibility for my part in it? And that's where I started to grow much more because I was able to go, okay, you know, when I look up when my I found my father dead when I was 12, didn't get to express, left England shortly after. There's all this grief that I hadn't been able to express. And so when I was able to start exploring all of that stuff and start to heal it, take responsibility for my life and what I had created. And then I was able to go into the next phase, which is where you start to not just be a survivor, but you start to go into thriving and then you start to really take responsibility for life, for your life, and you start to go, oh, hey, guess what? I can create this, I can create that. Actually, it's up to me. And so there's that meatiness in the middle where I had to start realising, you know, I I was making some mistakes, the same mistakes with relationships, with patterns, with things like that. It was like, okay, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? This this is showing up again. Oh, this is showing up again. And then having to go, okay, so the only common denominator here is me. What are my inner workings doing? What is my subconscious? What's happening with my belief, with myself? So once I started to do that really question and do the inner work, the healing work, that being able to really fully express my feelings and emotions, get in touch with my body as a domestic violence survivor, being in it, I didn't spend a lot of time in my body. I spent a lot of time out of my body, you know, and a lot of us do spend that. And when we have a feeling, we don't actually feel it in the body. We just go up into the mind and analyze it rather than actually feel it wherever it is in the body. So it's, you know, it's taken all these years for me to really n- nut it out, flesh it out, have a really good, healthy understanding of my body, of my emotions, of my what I create, what's happening when I go down into a when something happens in life. And so these days, I think I'm just so much more grounded. Mm. and just so much more grounded and when things happen I don't always go oh this is the worst thing that ever happened and go into victim I'm like okay let's just take a breath and breathe and what is here and if I can't deal with it I'm going to give it up to a
0: higher power Mm.
1: rather than trying to control or fix or sort or strive or push or
0: yeah, that's so yeah. important to be able to release it because I think we spend a lot of time in our heads trying to fix, trying to control and at some point it you will realize that you want to get off the hamster wheel and you know so by giving yes. it up is is really powerful.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So now you are a journey practitioner. Would you tell me what that is?
1: Yeah, I've been actually. I've been a journey practitioner for seventeen years. The journey is a a method that was founded by a lady called Brandon Bays. She some thirty years ago, she got cancer. She had a tumor the size of a basketball, and she healed it in six and a half weeks with wow. herself, with no treatment. And in that time, the journey method was born. The journey method is kind of the best way to describe it is kind of like a med- a meditative journey where you go inside the body you go to that place where the memories are stored or the emotions are stored and then you you get the child or the adult or whoever it gets to express what they couldn't express at the time to the person then there's a forgiveness that happens and a whole load of other things. But there's a a forgiveness that happens. And what happens with that is that there is an absolute shift in the cells. So it's called cellular healing because a real shift takes place in the body, in the cells. Once you can heal that and forgiveness takes place, there's a real shift in the body. And so it's like when Deepak Chakra asked the question, if you've got cancer in the liver, but the liver cells replicate every three months, why does someone still have cancer? And it's because the cells completely replicate 100% the same. So they actually just copy themselves. So when they replicate, they just copy the cell, copy the cell, copy the cell. So when you can get to the cell, the actual cellular memory and the cellular healing, then you change the substance of that cell so that when it renews, it renews healthily. And that's how you can heal cancer and other things that happen in the body from the cellular memory. Fascinating.
0: And so you Mm -hmm. help people to do that? I do, yeah. So with the
1: journey process, you know, you come to me and say, I, I'm allowed to speak about this. So I'll give you an example of what it is because I'm allowed to say this one I have permission from, uh, and this was a lady that I worked with many, many, many years ago, and she came to me because she was struggling with making decisions. She found that she just co- couldn't make a decision and she would get into a relationship and she would make their, her partner make all the decisions and then she would get angry because they were making all the decisions and so the relationships would break up. So we went into, she went back to a memory when she was about two or three years old and she had was on a picnic with her parents and she wandered away from her parents and she got herself stuck on a barbed wire wire fence. So her dress was caught, her leg was caught and she was stuck. And she couldn't go forward and she couldn't go backwards. She just couldn't get off without hurting herself. And so her parents found her and, you know, got her off and all the rest of it. But what she realized in the process as she emptied out was that she spent her whole life on the barbed wire fence. Mm. Subconsciously, she had taken that experience and subconsciously she had it had concretized in herself. And what had happened was she couldn't make a decision because she was still on the barbed wire fence. It was so traumatic. You know, it had long since happened, but that's how it affected her life. That's how it works. That's how the process works. And, you know, some people suppress their emotions and suppress their memories and that's okay. We can still work with them and usually there is still sometimes it takes a bit longer but there is still quite a lot of progress and people heal from the most amazing things they really clear old patterns change their lives go on and do things that they never thought they could I mean and I'm a prime example of that because I'm here chatting to you like nobody's business but if you had met me when I was married I was a mouse I wouldn't have I was on tenderhooks all the time I had this complete, just nervous energy about me all the time. And I couldn't have even sat still for five minutes, let alone, you know, talk to somebody about things.
0: So do you think that all the reasons that we feel stuck as adults are rooted back in our childhood or our younger years? I do. I think that And so this is, I
1: say that because my experience within my work, within the journey work and, and also because a a lot of the beliefs that we get given as children are given to us at a time to keep us safe. But when we're children, we are from, especially from the ages of, you know, zero to about six, we're a sponge. So we take everything in. And it all goes into our subconscious. And at that age, we don't actually have the capability to sort it out like we do as an adult. We don't have the capability to go, oh, well, you know, we could use that for this or that. We we don't. It just all goes in. And so what happens is we sort of keep that, I like to say, like a backpack. You know, we have a backpack of all of this stuff that happened to us as children some the trauma addict things if we were humiliated in front of the class or experiences that we had and the beliefs that we got from our parents who were doing the best they could but still they've handed down you know you have to work hard for money they've handed down all of this stuff and we take it all in and then as an adult We've got all of this here and so an opportunity shows up in our life or we want to make a decision about something and the only thing our mind can do is go to our backpack and look at a past example because the mind will only look at what's already happened. And so it'll look at a past example and it'll come up and say either, oh, yes, that's okay, we can do that. It'll come up and say no. And if it's a no, we'll find a way to sabotage it or we'll just sit not making the decision will stay stuck and it's all to do with absolutely it's to do with all of that stuff and the thing is though what the scientists have discovered now is that you can change the neural pathways so this is where we have the ability to look at our beliefs and look at our trauma and heal it and clear it and change the neuro pathways in our brain which means that we then can make different decisions and we're creating different pathways in our brain so that we then go oh okay yeah I did that before and it worked really well I'm going to do that again or we can go in the case of journey work it teaches you to feel your emotions and when you do when you actually feel the emotions and drop through feel the emotions and drop through then you do come to this source space of peace this this place of this expansiveness in that then you can start if a fear comes up then you can just open into the fear it's like facing the fear rather than having the fear control you every time you you come to look at that decision so because most of us have as I said before with our feelings we've been taught to not actually feel our feelings we've been taught to get distracted to do anything else you know to go shopping or to mow the lawn or take that, drink a glass of wine or watch TV or we'll do anything but actually feel the feeling and we've been taught to do that. But when we can actually go, oh, I'm feeling fear and let it be there in the body, it'll only last about 30 seconds if you're lucky. So when we can do that, then we can start to really look at and confront and work with ourselves so that we're going so when we drop through we get to a place of openness and spaciousness and we can go okay i can do this and we can look at our fear and go you know what was that about usually it's paper tigers because the fear is often of the unknown it's always about the unknown that's the biggest fear that people have is if i do this I don't know what will happen. And that's the biggest fear that people have. And that's why they stay comfortable. That's why they can stay in their comfort zone rather than stepping out.
0: I love that so much because I think that that is absolutely the key why people stay stuck. Besides, there is a history there of what it, you know, of their past, but the fear of the unknown and what I always come back to people, I'm like, okay, but are you going to die? You know, if you do this thing yes. that you're so terrified of and it doesn't work out, are you gonna be okay? You know, and and exactly. usually it's yes, right? They're not gonna die. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we have a thing in the with the within the practice where I'll just ask them what's the worst thing that could happen. And then they come up with that and you say, Okay, and now that what's the worst thing that could happen? If that happens, what's the worst thing that could happen? And usually people then get to see how they're just catastrophizing. Like it just, it has not happened, but they are catastrophizing. So, you know, most people who lose their job or want to change jobs, but they're too scared to change jobs. The catastrophizing is that they'll be homeless. They'll never get another job. They'll lose their home. They'll lose this, they'll
0: that, 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 that. I am... Fascinated by the whole rewiring of the brain and the neural pathways. And I am a big fan of Joe Dispenza, and I know there's other people out there yes. that do that. What would you say for people who are interested in learning just some basics in how to do that? So they've recognized there's this thing that's tied to their past and they want to change it. So, what do they do? Yes.
1: Well, I guess it's really about starting to become aware or having an awareness of what you're thinking and what you're believing and then asking yourself, is it true? I think that's the key thing. And the other thing is to start changing. So these are the things that I, I have a six-week program, which goes for six weeks. It's a one-hour week. And these are the things that I really address in that so that people can get to start putting things in place To to really start to change these things. They can they have practical steps that they can take. That's the one that's called pathway to clarity, confidence, and trusting yourself. So the tips get back in your body. So when you're feeling like your mind can't stop, get back in your body. So that means go for a walk in nature. It means put some drumming music on and shake that out. It it means get back here in the body so deep breaths or meditation or any way that you can do it put your feet in the ocean go for a walk in the forest any way that'll bring you back to your body is a great way to start because then you can start to separate the thoughts sometimes before that it's hard once you can start to separate your thoughts then you can start to question them and so you can start to say okay so i'm believing this but is it true what actual evidence do I have of that? And usually when people start questioning it, they'll say, oh no. And the other thing is, is like, okay, if I believe this when I'm believing when I'm believing this, and it's just a thought, how does that make me feel in my body? Actually makes me feel terrible. And then I start creating other stories that go with it. So I start creating a whole thing. And so when you start to really question those thoughts and start to understand that they're just thoughts in your head, and usually they are connected to the beliefs and the things that you learned as a child. When you start to differentiate them, then you can then you can start to change that thought, change the neuropathways. pathways. The other um, one that I love is uh, so. There's a couple of few of them that I use. Another one is that we often ask why. You know, we say. Why am I not good enough? Why can't I get it right? Why is everyone else happy and I'm not? Or we say, why? And the mind loves to go looking for answers. So this is the thing. The mind will go looking for the answers and it will give you all the reasons why you're not good enough. It doesn't differentiate between what's happy and lovely and what's sad and horrible. It doesn't differentiate. It will go looking for those answers and it give you the proof. This is why. So we have to change our why questions. So we need to say, why am I willing to learn more about who I am? Why am I such a good person? Why am I great at doing this? We have to change the why questions. When we change the why questions, the mind will go looking for the answers and it will give us the evidence of why again it will start to change the mood or where you are and you can again you can start to address and look at those neuro pathways when you start to ask those questions it starts to give you a different answer which means that it starts to change things and then the other one I like is what if what if you know when you're in a say you're in a funk or you're working and you you know you do this whole beat yourself up I'm not doing enough I haven't got it right oh, I need to do more of this or I've got to get uh, and it's like if you just go what if What if I went for a walk around the block right now and you just say whatever the first thing comes after you so it's not even a having a conscious thought about it it's just what if what if I could go downstairs and make coffee what if I could go for a walk around the block? What if I could go down to the beach right now, and put my feet? Oh, what if I got a new pair of socks? What if I went and looked at the clouds? What if I had a look at this or that? It's it's just another thing to to sort of take you out of that expansive, takes you out into a more expansive frame of mind rather
0: than being packed in. Mm, that's so good. I was taking notes as you were talking because. <laughs> so good so good well
1: uh, you know i do do the videos on the tiktok so people see me on tiktok and then they and then they come over and sign up or they come and have a chat with me and so there's all different ways that you can get um and so with the coaching that's something different to journey work because i'm a coach as well so that's where we do look at really conflicting values working with the neuropathways, pathways as well as the beliefs and all of those things but really looking at you know when you've got a goal that you really want to get to what's in the way of that and how changing all of those neuro pathways the values what your values are and connecting them all up because often we don't often say to people you know I help people to clear their blocks and connect their dots so sometimes they have something that they want to do but they it conflicts with another value so for instance you've got a a mum who's got children and wants to go back to school but she wants to spend time with her family that's a conf- that's a conflicting value but we can we can get that so that the goal to go back to school will be in alignment with her values so that you start to change the neural pathways so that she then starts to connect her dots and understand that oh, if I go back to school actually, my kid's going to be better off. It's going to be better for everyone. It changes things in that way.
0: Mm, Amazing. Amazing. And I know you are the author of two books. Would you like to tell us what those are?
1: Yeah. First one is called Heartwork. It's called Living on a Prayer. That one is based on my life. So it's a story. It's a novel and it's based on my life. uh, And it really talks about all of the things really got some teaching, a little bit of teaching in there, because I've, you know, I've been a person that's been able to experience lots of things. So that's in there, and because uh, there was a time when I came back from India for the third time when I came back from India, I changed my name. I went house sitting for three years, and I gave up everything I owned, and so I've written about that in there, and all these things that I've experienced in my life, and so that's that one. And I guess, you know, if I read the thing, it says heart work is a process of opening your heart to life, no matter how it shows up. It's a journey from the head to the heart, a discovery of the self, the grace that is always here, no matter the outside circumstances. And Prema takes us on a personal journey of how she's cultivated trust to listen to her heart, how she has learned to feel the fear and do it anyway. It is this faith that leads her to Tuscany to house it in a renovated 200-year-old farmhouse where she inadvertently finds the man of her dreams, or so she thinks. She's unprepared, however, for the turn of events and the choices that she must make to stay true to herself. So that tells you a little bit about what the book is about. And the other book is called Changemakers. With this one, I was asked to write a chapter along with with 20 other women. And so I've written a chapter and my chapter is called I Said Yes to Domestic Violence. And this is where I address my journey with domestic violence and that journey of what I talked about earlier, that journey of going from denial to victim to survivor to thriver. And also the uh, my views on domestic violence today, and how we could, and this is my view. So and my experience, we are very heavily in society towards the victim, and that's okay, because the victim needs that help, needs the support, all of those things. I'm not saying that we don't need that, but what I'm saying is we need to shift. A little bit more to be everyone taking responsibility because when there's domestic violence involved, it's everyone that's involved. It isn't just about the partner or the person who is inflicting the the domestic violence because the other person is playing a part in that by saying that's what I meant when I said I said yes. Subconsciously, not consciously, but subconsciously, I said yes, and it's like any relationship, whatever relationship you get into, you say yes. You say yes to that relationship. The only difference with domestic violence is that it's not healthy. It's not a healthy relationship. When we've got people who come together in domestic violence, the feelings and the emotions so the violence, the anger, the rage that the person is perpetrating, the control on the other person, those feelings are already there that's not something that the other person puts there and makes them feel women do not make men feel rage the rage is already in them the men have to own their rage whatever there's going on what's happened in their life previously work out what the trauma is whatever you know because these people that for for instance my ex-husband was abused as a child so often what's happened is they have suppressed the rage then they get into a relationship, blame the other person because they um, have this need for love, want to be loved. So they control to try and get it. And often the person who's involved the other person has wants love too and they haven't felt it they're trying to get it as well so it's a combination of both but the feelings the trauma the emotional stuff is already there in each other you are a mirror to each other but you're not to blame for the actual feelings that are there and that's about taking responsibility so once we can get, I feel that once we can get to a place where we're looking at the woman as well as the man or the perpetrator and the victim, both taking responsibility for how they feel and what's happening, then we can start to really shift. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't support the victim. Of course we should. Of course we should. But we also need to get them to a place where they can start to go it wasn't until I made that connection that I was able to set myself free, that I was able to forgive myself and I was able to forgive my ex-husband. And so then I come to a place of true forgiveness. In fact, my relationship with my ex-husband could just transform into something completely different. So it's that that I talk about in Changemakers. And not just me, there's actually 20 other women who've got these amazing stories, uh, not or, not about domestic violence, about different things, but they've got these amazing stories that are just how they've transformed their lives. So it's really inspiring book to read because some of these women, what they've gone through, I just think, oh, my God, I just can't imagine. So, so inspiring. And the work that they do now and where they've come match
0: Well, you are also very inspiring and I could listen to you talk all day. <laughs> but <laughs> well, um, thank you. <laughs> unfortunately, I don't have all day. It's 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 nighttime by me. <laughs> yes, yes. But I would love for you to tell my listeners the best place that they can connect with you. They can go to
1: premajoy.com. They can get the free four steps to the videos. Uh, and they could find me on Facebook, Pramajoy Results Coach and Journey Practitioner. They can also find me on TikTok at Pramajoy Two, the number two at Pramajoy Two, and or you can email me Pramajoy at pramajoy
0: Amazing, and I will put everything that you gave me in the show notes, so my listeners can find it easily. Before I let you go, I like to ask my guests five rapid fire questions, meaning you don't have to answer them quickly, but just the first thing that comes to your mind, and it's a way for my listeners to get to know you better. Okay. What is something you do for fun? Dance. So that hasn't changed. So You you did that as a kid. (laughs) (laughs) Dance to drums. I love drumming. Drumming, dancing. I bought myself a drum about a year and a half or 2 years ago and I love it. I love it.
1: I love it. It's beautiful. Fun, wonderful energy. Yes. Yep. Drumming, dancing, chanting, They're the things
0: I love. I love it. All right, what were you doing the last time that you lost track of time?
1: I think that would have been I was actually in a 7-day, um, I was working as a trainer in a 7-day retreat and I totally lost track of time, the days of, you know, those things seem to happen in the space of where time stands still. So Mm. that was a a seven day retreat that I was working and
0: helping Brandon with. Amazing. What is something you are excited about right now? I'm always pretty much excited about life. What does the world
1: need more of? Well, I think, you know, the obvious answer is love, but I would say awareness and compassion
0: kindness Mm, yeah I agree (laughs) all right last question knowing what you know now what advice would you give your younger self I would tell my younger
1: self that you actually have the power within you and to find the love within yourself and not look for it outside yourself and trust yourself more you don't have to get love from other people from outside like find it within you and look at life a little bit, like step out of the bubble, you know, really connect and get grateful with nature, look at the stars, go to the beach more often. Like just, that's what I would say to her.
0: Mm, That's so beautiful. I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I am so glad to have met you and I cannot thank you enough for being here today.
1: Yeah, I've had a wonderful time. Thank you so much. You're a beautiful, lovely lady. Your Heather Love is a lovely name for you because uh, there's, a, there's a real genuine love and curiosity behind your questions and your words. So thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you.
0: I love what Prema said about how when your mind is racing, that one of the best things you can do is to get back into your body. Some of us might be able to relate to the idea of how when you have the same thoughts looping around in your head, it can sometimes feel like an out-of-body experience. Prema suggests simple things like going for a walk, dancing, or even just shaking your body. This starts to regulate the nervous system to create space between you and the thoughts so that you can ask yourself if those thoughts are really true. I also really resonated with Prema talking about changing the way we ask ourselves questions. Your brain will find answers to whatever questions you ask of it, so be mindful of your wording and self-talk because it's huge. The links to connect with Prama and buy her books are in today's show notes, so feel free to check those out. She posts a lot of videos on TikTok, so if that's your jam, that's the best place to find her. If you loved this episode, it would mean the world to me if you would head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a 5-star rating and review. The world needs more conversations that matter. And by leaving a review, you help my podcast get seen by more people. Thanks so much for listening. Have a magical day. This podcast episode is brought to you by Prompts to Purpose, my free workbook that will help you stop spinning your wheels and start remembering your gifts. Inside, you'll find 25 journal prompts to get you thinking about things in a new way so that you can find your purpose and start living the life of your dreams. If you're ready to dive in, get on my email list by clicking on the link in the show notes or in my Instagram bio, and I'll send it over. Come on in and see what everyone is talking about.